a little ditty about eighth grade. Eighth grade for my youngest two children was a challenging, difficult year for a number of reasons. It ended abruptly on March 13, 2020, when the governor of Virginia closed all public schools due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Eighth grade for them will always be memorable, but perhaps not in the same way it is memorable for me. It was late June in the summer of 1982. My family had just returned from an exciting and interesting year abroad in Seoul, Korea to a little rural Massachusetts town just miles from the New Hampshire border. We would be headed to Washington, the Washington DC area permanently in about 18 months time. But in the meantime, we had to live somewhere while dad finished up his work at Harvard. My mom found an old farmhouse she loved and decided to buy it. My dad would end up with an hour commute each way into Cambridge, but he wasn't complaining about it. We had a barn and a golden retriever and three acres of land with wild blackberries and one rooster who lived just down the way on another farm. The rooster who is solely responsible for developing, developing my lifetime routine of waking up 365 days per year at 5 a.m. All five of us, early fall of 1982, early fall of 1982, eighth grade graduation day with dad, spring of 1983. In the days of film, double exposure was always a possibility. Eighth grade me in a rural Massachusetts town, 1982 to 1983. When you move into a little rural town as a young teenager in the middle of summer, there are not many opportunities to make new friends before the school year begins. The summer before in 1981, we spent navigating the public transportation system in bustling Seoul, Korea, and learning whatever pieces of the Korean language we could in order to accomplish this successfully. There were also built-in opportunities to make friends, as many of the foreign families lived close by in community housing close to our school in Seoul. All the young people just rolled together that summer, all in similar circumstances. Therefore, life in the country was quite a change. Lucky for me, I met my neighbor Kathy riding her horse bareback through my new blackberry patches in the woods behind our house. It's important to remember neighbors in the countryside can be miles apart, and we were. It is unlikely we would have met before school without the blackberries. I spent hours in the blackberries during the unspeakably hot months of July and August, wearing blue jeans and boots and long sleeve shirts borrowed from my dad's closet. It didn't take me long to learn that summer as a city girl and entrepreneur, those perfect, beautiful, wild blackberries were worth money. There was no end to them. Kathy came from a wealthy but unhappy home situation. Her dad was the CEO of the largest New England company of beverages and juice products. There were crates and crates of individual-sized bottled apple, orange, and cranberry juice in the garage of her elaborate farmhouse, the kind made for a vending machine. Unfortunately for Kathy, her parents fought all the time. She had no siblings, and her home life appeared to be lonely and hard. So she escaped on her beloved horse often and carried a few juice jars with her on her horseback tours through the woods behind our two homes. I'll never forget the moment she stopped in the middle of the woods, sized me up in two seconds, and said, as a matter of fact, Hey, I'm Kathy. You're new here. Want a cold juice drink? I had been out there in the woods picking blackberries for hours in the New England heat. A cold drink sounded amazing, and I was grateful. It turned out Kathy needed a friend, too. We became eighth-grade friends that very afternoon. Kathy, as the local resident popular girl who knew every family in town, took it upon herself to invite me to all the summer gatherings of the local rising eighth-grade girls. I was a complete foreigner in my own home state and a city girl at that. City girls tend to stand out as different in a rural town. 
these girls had grown up together since kindergarten, and I was just passing through their neck of the woods for a year or two. I declined the invitations every time. Kathy didn't give up. One Saturday afternoon at the local pizza joint, with just a week or so to go until schools opened for the year, Kathy and I were enjoying some pizza and two Cokes. I had earned so much money picking blackberries that summer. The outing was my treat. Kathy wasn't accustomed to a friend paying for her. Usually, she picked up the tab with her generous weekly allowance. She thanked me a hundred times. We were just about to leave and make our way home when all of a sudden the door opened and the entire rising eighth grade Pop Warner cheerleading squad walked in in their full uniforms and perfect hair with giant black and white bows on top. Hi, Kathy, a few of them called from the door as they walked in. Kathy smiled big, jumped up, and immediately tried to introduce me as the new girl. They had no interest as they looked me up and down and determined within seconds I was not one of them. Oh, this is not going well, I thought. Someone dropped a quarter in the pizza joint jukebox, and within seconds, Jack and Diane started playing. All the girls dropped everything, screamed in unison, this is our favorite song, and started dancing and singing along. Kathy turned to me, come on. I don't know this song. I've never heard this song. As a girl who had just spent a year overseas in Korea, my musical exposure was about a year behind the current U.S. Times. I truly don't recall or remember what it was about me in that moment, but something must have stood out as unbearable and awkward. Kathy was doing her best, but I wasn't giving her much to work with. All of a sudden, one of the cheerleaders was sitting next to me in the booth. Hi there, she said. Welcome to our town. I'm Rachel. Rachel was at least six feet tall. She was the only one in the room taller than me. She was beautiful and confident and kind. She was the only one who stepped out of the Pop Warner Brat Pack and reached out to me as the new kid in town that afternoon with a sincere smile and genuine interest in welcome, welcoming me to a world I didn't know or understand. A week or so later, school started. Between my new friendships and Rachel and Kathy, I found my way. In the first month, I introduced myself to all my classmates and was elected to the student council. In the second month, I joined the eighth grade student school committee dedicated to all the eighth grade annual eighth grade events, talent shows, school dances, fundraisers. I had a natural gift for those things, I guess. In the same way I had rounded up a buyer from the local fruit and flower stand for my blackberries, I successfully solicited business sponsorships for all kinds of things, door to door in those days. All of a sudden, our little committee budget was in the black. A middle school talent show had never been tried before in that little town. Oh, allow me. Put me in charge. And so they did. Dad and I had been performing together in school talent shows since the third grade. I knew a thing or two about talent shows by age 13. I had a significant speech impediment in the days of third grade. I was shy and didn't say much in class. I know, it's hard to believe now. Between speech therapy in school and learning to sing, perform before a live audience, thanks to my father, well, that was the end of my speech difficulties. If anyone has ever wondered why I'm such a strong supporter of the performing arts to this day, especially for students with disabilities, now you know. As I shared in another post, my performing arts opportunities throughout college would allow me to complete my undergraduate degree my, my undergraduate education debt-free in 1993. Bring your tissues for this post if you haven't read it before. Quarantine Karaoke Nights. Third grade me, 1978.
In the third month, I wrote a persuasive letter to the principal about changing the bus routes. My house was less than a mile from the school, but with no sidewalks. We were the first bus, we were the first stop in the morning and the last stop in the afternoon. In rural Massachusetts, the bus would wind 10 miles around the countryside on each and every trip. That meant about two hours on a bus daily. It was a lot. How about we reverse the bus route on the way home? By November, I was not only the first stop on the way home, I had earned a bi-weekly trip to the principal's office to present all my ideas in person. I had a lot of ideas. He also invited his personal secretary at the time to take notes. Who knows if she was really taking notes about my ideas, but she worked so furiously during those meetings, recording something with a pen and paper, I can barely remember any comments she ever made. My friendships and connections grew as the year went on. Kathy and I remain, remained neighbors and friends until the last day when our family moved to Fairfax County, Virginia in January of 1984. We finally lost touch over the years in an age of long distance phone calls, long distance phone call bills and snail mail only. I often wonder where life took her in the end. Rachel remained such a joy and positive influence in my young life throughout the eighth grade year. I named my first daughter after her. By the spring of 1983, I won a tennis tournament, organized an entire talent show, earned straight A's, and was recruited by the head coach to practice with the varsity girls basketball team over the summer before my freshman year of high school. I remember being picked up with the older girls and driving about six country miles to the high school for the first time. We walked into the girls' locker room and I was assigned a locker. Put your name on it, the coach told me. It's yours for the next four years. He didn't know yet that we would be relocating to Northern Virginia soon. I didn't have the heart to tell him that day. On the day of eighth grade graduation, a big deal in those parts, complete with fancy outfits and an entire lengthy ceremony, the principal called my parents and me into his office for the last time. It has been a pleasure working with you this year, he told me with my parents standing there. They had no idea what he was talking about. Do let me know when you become a school principal yourself someday down the road. Imagine that. It feels like a twist of irony that my eighth grade year turned out to be one of the most memorable and favorite of my entire life. It wasn't easy at first. It ended beautifully. For my own eighth graders, even with the school year cut short and the multiple challenges, they speak highly of the good experiences, a few favorite classes and beloved teachers. There were memorable and happy talent shows and events before the school closed their doors. It seems unlikely at this time that eighth grade will be remembered as one of the favorites in the long term for my youngest children, but you never know. I think often of the blackberries as a metaphor. Wild blackberries are a force of nature to be reckoned with. The thorns, the bees, snakes if you're not careful, the challenges and the rewards, the beauty, the berries. And for the new girl in town in the summer of 1982, one friendship, made deep in the rural Massachusetts countryside over kindness and a cold drink and a horseback ride, which changed everything. Blackberry picking with my twins when they were little. The one friendship which led to more friendships and incredible life experiences, which wouldn't be so memorable and influential now as an adult if they had been so easy as a young teenager. Goodbye, eighth grade. We will remember you forever, long after the thrill of living through it is gone. And whenever I want to pay a visit to the 13-year-old version of me, I just listen to this song. Link to John Mellencamp, Jack and Diane, released July 1982.